0: So I'm Mark Ferris. Uh, welcome to the first episode of the uh, Mass Communications, uh, Intro to Mass Communications podcast. Uh, my name is Mark Ferris. I'm adjunct faculty at Northwest Vista Community College in San Antonio. And uh, with me is my co-host, uh, Tim Molina.
1: Hey, everybody. I uh, hope that you are staying safe out there. i and i am pleased to really be part of this podcast because one of the things that is really on my mind is the the ever-changing field of of media right and media studies when you really think about it it is the chaos of the world but it's our lens to that chaos so i'm i'm thankful and i'm i'm hopeful that we can have some really great conversations and you as a listener can learn a few things but also relate to us in some way and come back and be part of our uh, podcast and and even if it's just as a listener um, but maybe at some point you, you have something to contribute. Uh, we're really looking to, to build on this as a tool for learners not just within our classes but also uh, for anyone who's willing to engage in those conversations about how it is, uh, what it's like to live in a, in a media-saturated world 24-7 and how we can have a healthy relationship with our media.
0: Absolutely. Um, so today on this episode, we have a special guest with us. We have uh, Linda Cuellar.
2: Who has a doctorate in education. Linda Coyar taught communication courses at Northwest Vista College from 2002 to 2017. She received advanced training in cooperative learning in the college classroom from educational researchers, David and Roger Johnson at the University of Minnesota. Along with her team at Northwest Vista College, she helped design and teach faculty in cooperative learning methods from 2002 to 2011. Cooperative learning used with roles and planned activities can transform a classroom with the power of exercising students different strengths stated the 30-year veteran of the college classroom. She credits cooperative learning, peer instruction, and other active learning methods with informing her students learning in project-based communication and journalism courses that prepared her students with practice and success in using skills in researching, writing, creating, and completing cooperative learning team projects using Spark video, screencasting, slides, and video for research presentations, and for publishing YouTube tutorials on academic technologies. She is a native of the Borderlands and worked as a broadcast journalist in San Antonio in the 1980s and 1990s. In 2012, she was executive producer of KLRN TV's arts series. She serves on the community board of Jumpstart Performance Company. She received a B.S. in radio TV film from the University of Texas at Austin in 1977 a Master's of Arts in Rhetoric and Communication from St. Mary's University in 1991, and a Doctorate in Education from Texas A&M Corpus Christi in 2009. Her research topic was a comparison of media use patterns among Latino and non-Latino college students enrolled in regular and developmental courses. Without further ado, Linda Coyar. Linda, how are you?
3: Excellent. I really thank you both for, for the invitation. What a treat. And uh, I'm I'm very grateful. Hope I hope uh, you know how how grateful I am that the the work at the college that you guys and other uh, faculty members in the in the department, social sciences, mass communication, are are uh, doing some important work. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So, and funny story uh, for our listeners. Um, So I do have to, do, do have to say that I wouldn't be here without you, Linda. You, you, uh, you hired me and, um, believed in me and, and gave me a chance. I was brand new and I wasn't sure if if teaching was the thing I wanted to do, but, um, from day one, I've I've loved every minute of it. So I, I want to thank you for, uh, for giving me a chance and, and showing me what I, uh, what I really enjoy doing.
3: Well, you're most welcome. I think the 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 real uh, benefit of, of someone like you in the in the teaching pool is that the students really really have a valuable opportunity with a uh, 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 learning. I could tell that you cared so much about students. I believe it begins with caring. I believe that that caring is the beginning. You know, I mean, not the end all, but because you you've got to have a lot of Uh, follow through with you know tools and techniques skills etc but it begins with caring and I certainly see that in both you two uh, professors
1: yeah so I'm glad you brought that up because you know one of the aims of our and this being our first episode uh, mind you it's being launched two days after Michelle Obama's first podcast um, so that's not an easy feat to live up to, but you know one of the one of the interesting things about having the agency to develop a message, right, and to disseminate that to a mass audience, I think it brings some so much significance to the field of mass uh, communication, right. So, but it but but it also lends to some of the topics that we wanted to get at which was you know having a good healthy relationship with your media and how important it is to be media literate Um, and in that we're in a certain time of in history where the courses at Northwest Vista have to be shifted to a remote setting where it's live teaching or it's anytime teaching Uh, and so in that mix we we oftentimes will lend to maybe not caring, right? And and it's easier to go the route of a uh, passive mode of, of learning where it's just someone lecturing, right? Um, but one of the interesting things is that we we can still be active and 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 create an active learning environment in uh, in these kinds of uh, remote settings, right? And so. Uh, one, A couple of the things that we wanted to look at were some of the maybe the barriers to uh, that we face when we're going online to teach and how it's um, maybe, you know, ha- it is an opportunity to create some some critical thinking and to foster some some good media habits. But but how do we instill that in our students? And then also from the student standpoint, if you're listening, you know, a lot of the concern is. As a student, uh, would be well. How am I? How is this remote learning going to go? Right? How is it going to? How is it going to take place? And 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 what is my experience going to be? So I feel like we're um, we're 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 at a uh, an intersect between you know how we how we go about teaching uh, to students in this remote environment. Uh, but also being able to foster that critical thinking, active learning, and that media literacy that we that we speak about so often in our courses. So um, I really wanted to to thank you, Linda, as well, because uh, Linda Quayar is is sort of like the godmother at Northwest Vista when it comes to MassCom, because uh, she was around well before uh, Mr. Ferris and I were, and uh, you know, being a, a young instructor. Um, Linda was always the person I would go run upstairs to talk to, uh, especially after having not so, uh, not, not such a good experience in a classroom on a particular day. Um, and I remember you, Linda, saying just straight up, and this is part of the, the idea of caring, right? Where he said, it starts with caring because when I can remember our, one of our meetings was, man, today just didn't go so well, Linda. And she's like, you know what? there's going to be certain days that it's just going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate um, you doing that, right? Because even someone who has been in the game for a while, right? Who's been in the profession, you uh, you had the, the guts to just tell me the truth and in and, and how it was going to be some days because even though you have a plan, it doesn't necessarily mean the execution part will you know will fulfill itself yeah but it all it all comes back to that caring and i think that's really you showing that you care uh to mentor me and uh, mr ferris you know it, it really shows a lot of your character and so I, I i really appreciate you being here and we uh you know we just we soak up all the things that you uh
3: will be able to give us today well thank you thank you so much my heart's just the size of uh North and South America all put together at once. Thank you. Um, I I think about caring and and that conversation we had, Tim, um, as it relates to risk, because uh, teaching is risk taking. Uh, you're you're never sure, you know how how uh, things are really going to go, but you 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 have to you, you can't go in bulletproof because it, you, you, you know, the students will rightly perceive that as prepackaged pablum, you know, uh, kind of like a dead you person. Have you ever been to a lecture where you go, Oh boy, this guy is got no blood flowing through his veins at all. And, and, and it's, um, so risk-taking is part of caring. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, I just wanted to bring up the the work of Ken Robinson, uh, the child educator from England who became so famous uh, on on the TED talks because his talk remains the most widely seen, you know he he really explained that education has its roots in industrial America, right? And what was the, the point of education in the 1800s that was to get people to work on time to... Show up to do things in unison, so to have convergent learning yeah and and uh, yeah i c- go go I, ahead i
1: was gonna say I was gonna say, Linda, that one of my students actually uh pulled up this uh Ken Robinson video uh and shared it with the class and and this was this was at a time where I had not heard of Ken Robinson, so. Um, i'm'm I'm, I'm just thankful that, that you brought this person up because I think it, it speaks a lot to you know what it means to be actively learning mm-hmm. right um, versus maybe being in a more passive state and, and really his scope of, of why we even educate right uh, students right
3: we, we do things out of habit you know so out of habit we, we've got everybody showing up at 8. 15 or 840 and raising their hands and you know kind of it's stand up allegiance sit down uh, etc we we are we, you know we we are kind of trained and uh this this was really brought home to me when um in some some uh researcher pointed out that and i can't remember who it was but he asked it might have been seth godin he he asked uh students in a in a classroom how many loved school and nobody raised their hand but he asked them how many of y'all love learning and to the last student they raised their hand so really asks us as educators and as students to say hey what has this been about ha- has it been about conforming showing up this this boring practice of being a receptacle of knowledge somebody's going to pour knowledge into me and 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 uh let's back up a little bit further back than the industrial revolution and let's go back till the beginning of of mankind i mean we have been problem solvers we have been active we have been makers and and we were suddenly asked to sit still show up Sit in our desks, raise our hands, and don't ask important questions like "Why did God make the Earth round?" or "Why is this so for North America?" or "Why is this so?" No, don't don't ask important questions. <laughs> just just sit and listen, regurgitate what you're told. Is is has been just
1: be a just be a docile student, basically. Right,
3: and and certainly you have to ask. <laughs> the next question is to whom do, who, who benefits from our docility authoritarian mm-hmm. governments really don't want people questioning them so so you, you it it comes down to that kind of background it's kind of good to stir up and and so my my question would be what can we do about changing that mindset in students and educators both well, how how do you crack that that long-standing habit. And, and I think it's through joy, the joy mm. that you come from, that you get when you do something original and creative and say, I and my group, I and my partner, I contributed. We made this incredible PowerPoint that researched XYZ topic." And, and, and I was able to use my drawing skills or I was able to use my PowerPoint skills and somebody else was using their research skills. Somebody else was using their writing skills. But maybe I haven't been that much of a leader before, but they needed my PowerPoint and it worked so mm. good. I mean, that kind of joy is unbelievable you
1: can't measure that no right and, and, it's like and that's you, what you, will
3: get you to crack i think that complacency uh, <clears throat> when, when you start on that joy thing man nothing gets no, nothing is nothing's the same
1: yeah it reminds me of a of, of a conversation that was uh being had on my instagram last night i was i i follow there's a there's a guy by the name of dr christopher emden He's in uh, the, he's at Columbia, and he has, he, he teaches science and education, and he gets teachers prepared to go to the teaching profession. He was talking about this uh, concept of institutional knowledge, right, whereas it's a school, it's an institution, or it's a church, it's an institution. All of these places that you find yourself in as part of your community or just by, you know, showing up on time, like you were saying, they 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 will give you knowledge, right? And then there's intuitional knowledge, right? Which a lot of the times, we as educators will, you know, tap into sometimes and ask students to do certain things or to come up with a uh, a creative piece. And I think I think as we have learned from you, Linda, Mark, and I have have decided, you know. Through our, through our design of the courses that we teach, that it's not really about, you know, can you remember this person's name who invented such tool, which it's important, right? The institutional knowledge is important, but it's, it's, it's perhaps not as important, it's not as healing as it is for a student to be given the opportunity or to even take that opportunity and say, well, how can I make something like a public service announcement on my TikTok in order for more people to be wearing masks because we know the science behind it and we know that it works. Um, I feel like in order for that to change, you know, more educators have to hear this podcast, right? We've got to bring in other folks that are doing the same things. And um, it, it, it can really get to what one of the jerseys of an NBA player had on his back last night which was educational reform. All right. I mean, that's the goal, right, in the long run, is for a student to be able to come into a space, whether it be digital or, or face-to-face, you know, and, and have those opportunities where they can come up with uh, an assignment or, or something on their own, right? They can teach back what they know in their intu- put. intuitional knowledge.
3: Beautifully right? put. Teach back.
1: And I know I know Mark has been doing a lot of um, amazing stuff when it comes to intuitional knowledge and activating that within his students, so I, I was hoping that uh, you could share some of those, mark that
2: you've been doing um I mean yeah, <laughs> that is something that I think is really important and I think um, i I think maybe what what Tim is alluding to is um you know at the at the beginning of each class um I, I really focus on the learner as an individual and I really push them to, um, to look at themselves and, um, and place themselves, um, within the context of the curriculum, um, and well, and in the world. (laughs) Um, and what's really important, um, Is is that and 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 the self and and I think, you know, we talk about media literacy and things like that And I think what's so crucial for that media literacy point is for students to understand their own identity and their own um, Reasoning for reaching a conclusion Um, And where where ideas that they have came from Um, and so, I actually uh, not only use that in the classroom, but I have uh, modified that and have delivered some professional development um, workshops to faculty members in regards to, um, well, basically, I guess, you know, teaching holistically um, the students, um, specifically Looking at uh, a specific segment of students, in the in the case of um, of um, the uh, the professional developments, uh, and in the case of LGBT students, and how to um, address those students and 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 to use to use your your term activate, so to speak, those students um, and 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 engage them where they are, and I think that's so important and crucial. Um, just for any educator um, to just let your students be themselves and they don't want you to be a robot and you don't want them to be a robot but unfortunately with this you know the spread of institutional institutional only knowledge you really promote this idea of them just being robots and Rem- right. remembering, remembering, and memorizing, and regurgitating facts that at the end of the day are pointless. I mean, I right. tell my students all the time. I'm like, guess what? Um, you're never going to go on a job interview and be asked what year the Gutenberg printing press was invented. You're not. You're really not. Um, that's important. That's an important fact to know um, or or understand the importance of that, but. You, that's not going to help you get a job. Um, and, and so what I, and so, and that's what I teach them too, is I say, so when I, when you leave this class, I hope you have, you have something to give to an employer, a prospective employer, um, whether that's a PowerPoint you made or a video you made or a podcast you, you know, stumbled through, uh, you have something. To be like, hey, I did this. I made these things, and like, I, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> and um, and so, yeah, I think that's I think that's so crucial and so important.
3: Absolutely, uh, uh, I'm glad you brought up Gutenberg because uh, my um, my my tendency, and I, when I first started college, I wanted to be an anthropologist and. And um, I, I went to a school in Mexico for a year and I studied anthropology and I, I um, said, no, it was not for me. I really didn't want to be uh, in that environment. So I transferred over to the University of Texas and I was wandering in the halls and saw that they were offering a degree in advertising. And I said, oh, my God, this, this is a whole new world. So I, I eventually switched over to radio, TV, film. But. I still kind of enjoy the idea of anthropology and I and I loved so much having uh, students explore oral culture, you know, pre-print culture. And then the, the idea when the manuscript started to be written and then Gutenberg came in with the printing press and all the giant changes that came to our culture, the electronic culture with the printing press and uh, I rather with, with uh, the Newspapers and the arrival of radio, television, and and w- what I hope to, to hope to to bring to the students is the understanding that technology runs with us as part of our human uh, evolution. It is you know right next to the the, the all the tools that we've had. They're it, they're tools just as important as the electron microscope or. Uh, whatever tool you you can think of and that we're continuing to evolve them and where we are now with social media is uh, such an exciting time upside down for the uh, the, the uh, industry um, when I when I started in the industry in the 1970s and 80s boy mass media was making such wonderful amounts of income that it was uh a, a real it was hard for them to understand that it all came to a, a, a halt in two thousand and seven with the arrival of the smartphone that changed everything. And we saw the model of earning money was completely different. and so we we really have suffered some things in that, you know, the loss of journalism that's paid for, investigative journalism is is really, really endangered right now. On the other hand, there are a lot of opportunities. Uh, I I did recently a video for my uh, wife for her art and um, her exhibit that she has in in Temple. And the day before yesterday, I got a email on Twitter from a producer in Los Angeles asking for permission to use that video in a documentary that she's uh, working on. And I just said to myself, how wonderful and a uh, how how fabulous that is, but B that wouldn't have happened. W- nobody would have seen my video. It wouldn't have been on Facebook or Vimeo or wh- whatever way she got a hold of it. Uh, and uh, that's a you know brings to mind that idea that we're all publishers now, <laughs> and it's just an amazing new environment for uh, putting ourselves in that position as writers and creatives, but I think it begins like you guys are talking about, really looking at ourselves individually and understanding, you know, what our gifts are for, for the medium, um, and, and, and how much of the medium, uh, I, I you know, we kind of, uh, have as our as our uh, our own biome, uh, our, our own environment inside us. I've always wondered what would it be if you could magically take everything out of me that was a book, a comic book, a song, a TV show, a movie. It, it just say boom, exit, delete those files. Just for a minute, please, don't not forever, but for a minute. Who would be left? <laughs> Who would be left? What, what, you know, I, I I I don't think you would recognize me. You know, I I, I mean I'm really really a, a product of of all the books, movies, comic books, magazines. So, and I believe a lot of us are.
1: No, I I love what you're saying. I think it, it, when 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 you speak, Linda, it reminds me of our students and how when they come into a a course with us or any, any course for that, they, they, um, there is a passive um, experience, which, (laughs) you know, when I think about it too, I go to like professional development or there's a breakout you know, there's some times where I'm just like, you know what, let me just sit back and just, you know, just hang out for a little while. And I'll listen to a lecture and, and it's comforting, right? But, um, you know, the 21st century demands us to to change, right? It demands us to be yeah engaged in, in a way that we maybe don't feel comfortable oftentimes, right? It's like mm-hmm. if I, if I sit back and I think about, you know, my time as a student, in a, in a university setting, it's usually in a lecture hall. Uh, date. And yeah, I mean, there's so much to know about what the instructor or the professor is teaching us, but there's so much more benefit, right? To do uh, and enact what it is that we're learning with other people, right? It's, it's more joyful. Right. Mm-hmm. It's 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 one of those rewarding experiences to put something together and then show an employer. Right. Here's what I've been working on or here's what I've been doing. And I think for a lot of students, we 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 don't tell them those things until it's too late. Right. Um, but but as as educators working in in the field of MassCom, we we we're demanding often right because that's the only thing constant in our field is is change and how the industry has, you know through the centuries has changed our society because of all of the technological innovations in in, in the ways in which we communicate and how it's you know shifted our our uh, politics how it's shifted our our journalism right how people read and what they read um when, when when I think about students and because and, one of the questions that we wanted to ask you, Linda, was, you know, what advice would you give to students um, as future job seekers, right? And, and then going out into a very, um, I, wanna, I don't want to say difficult time, but it's a very uncertain time, right? When we think about the news industry, when we think about our local newspaper and, how we've we've uh, lost several journalists due to layoffs right right uh how there's news news deserts around the country that you know if you live in a small town you don't have a news uh organization working on your behalf to ensure that there's transparency in your local government right all those things right um you know what what might be some of those tips or advice that you would give and i think you kind of alluded to a few of them right, which is to be centered on who you are, right, get your message down, who are you as a person, and as uncomfortable as that might feel, how rewarding is that once you, once you have, you know, digested that, once you have um, instilled that into your, your your, your, your own uh, message, and then you go out and you produce, right, you're, you're a content mm-hmm. provider, mm-hmm. everyone's a producer, Right. right um but what, what what sort of advice would you would you give to future uh well to current students who are then you know eventually finding themselves in that space where they say wow i i really do have to go out and, and, and figure out what it is that i want to do what kinds of jobs because mass comm is so broad mm-hmm. right the field of the field of mass communication involves all the mediums it involves you know so many different uh opportunities for students to to give their message out um but what would you what would you uh, advise them to as they're going through school and then eventually getting out into the workforce you
3: know uh as your your question uh arrives it's a great question i i i do know that there is some urgency in that question that I, in the seventies, when I graduated from UT, I thought to myself, where am I gonna work? Because that was the only question. Am I gonna go back home to Laredo or live in San Antonio or stay in Austin or go somewhere else? It, the, the question not, was not, what, uh, will there be a job for me? It was, where do I wanna work? And and uh, that's not the case anymore. Uh, Their jobs are, are really, sometimes, uh, scarce it's a different environment in the news media because of the upside down nature that the internet brought you know it made scarcity um, uh, scarce <laughs> in other words mass the, 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 we have a lot more uh, ways to get information than we did uh, before and so the you know the three networks when I came out of college were getting uh, the entire, Ratings for the entire country. The viewership of the entire country was divided between essentially three networks. You know now it's divided into what thirty thousand different sources uh, uh, of information, including social media. And uh, you know it's just uh, we our our viewers have a lot more choices. That's made the jobs different. You know you could say it's made fewer for fewer jobs in large industry, but for more jobs in in research and, and uh, areas having to do with uh, social media, so it's a uh, you know I I, uh, I would just say that where 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 you begin as a student is is again let's go back to what we have been saying is you know kind of a, a me- metaphysical uh, view. Let, let's look at what your your what your gifts are, um, and and everybody has different gifts. And and uh, I also would like to you know say that I would like to see students uh, use their time in uh, the undergraduate experience to try out different things: theater, uh, Spanish literature, uh, art, music. You know, th- th- this is the time to experiment and play and mix it up. And and it's going to be really hard with the curriculum so set on getting you out of college at 115 credits or whatever the current number magic number is. But this is the time to explore and to, you know, kind of try try your hand at different things. It's, it's interesting. I say I use the term Spanish literature because I never, I never uh, dreamed that it would be as important as it has become in my life. And and it's been, you know, for me, Alongside me, through all these years, uh, my, my Spanish literature uh, courses have, you know, deepened my 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 understanding of my own culture, and and it, it's been so important. Had I not taken those courses, I would still be spouting the same things that I did as a seventeen-year-old. You know that I that that I had in my brain. You know, so it's time. It what I'm the answer is use this time to, uh, find yourself. You will not know what your gifts are at a, a young age. It, it's a, it's kind of a, uh, a, a bit of a experiment. You know, you have to try different things. Are you a group learner? Are you, uh, do, do you like working by yourself? Are you, do you, uh, like visual, um, work? Are, are you called to editing and, and drawing and, uh, the things that are more visual. Or are you more all about audio? Who you know? Those are good questions to ask because, as you uh, you know, explore and, and and search for those answers. Sometimes they, they become very clear. You know, uh, it, it takes it takes right. a while. It takes asking, uh, and it takes reading.
1: It takes a yeah, and it takes experimenting. Yes. It's 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 basically what we're doing right now. <laughs> Right, right. experimenting, podcast. and that you you learn through your mistakes, and and oftentimes we we grow up thinking that failure is a bad thing, right, right. And um, I, I I love the advice you just gave because I think for even I would I would even say for someone like myself who went through school just hoping to get a degree and then get a job, right, that <laughs> you don't really Think back and, and reflect on your time, um, in in what what meaning that gave you until you reach a certain point in your life where you're thinking, you know, how did I get here? Um, because it's 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 um it's introspective right. thinking, right? That we've got to teach our students to do early on in their life, even if they are at a place where they don't know how to do that, because even though we have these learning outcomes for all of these courses, right, meaning this is what you paid to to be able to learn to do, um, there's there's always that outcome of, of teaching students and giving them the opportunity to think introspectively, right. right? What is it that you are good at or what do you like to do? And why is that important when you're thinking about choosing your next semester of coursework and or your major and, or if you want to change it, or you know, what kind of career do you want to have in in media or if you're working with a student who's you know majoring in something else outside of the liberal arts mm-hmm. area? Um, you know, maybe you do want to be a doctor, but you don't want to work at a hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's all that mm-hmm. introspective thinking that I think will get us back to a place where when when students cross the stage and they you know apply for a position that they're actually going to be fulfilled right they're going to be happy um and 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 that leads to that active learning that we were talking about and um i i know that it takes work it's going to be a while right it, it doesn't happen overnight and it's not, it, but i think through those those things that students will learn differently right. and will teach
3: i i think back about my in graduate school uh tim mark I had a uh, course that uh, was summer course online. You, you know, I know about the the the, the challenges that you all are, are confronting, and this online course put us in groups with, uh, you know, folks I didn't know, and I remember being so unnerved by that as an adult learner. I was like, oh, I hate this. I hate this. However when i saw the product that we did and it just you know worked the professor was very hands off it was it's kind of like we had to solve barriers challenges uh, organize ourselves uh, it was sort of you know we had a timeline and we had a the purpose and we we knew what we had to do it was a, i believe it was a a powerpoint that we were creating about um educational leaders or and, uh, historical figures, or I don't remember which, but when, once we had our work ironed out, which was no fun, okay, no fun. Then <laughs> we went and did the work and then we put it together and I realized, oh my gosh, this is massive. This is beautiful. This is something that five times of me by myself, I could not have done this by myself yet look, what, what we created then it was fun you know so <laughs> i guess i wanted to not give the impression that it's uh, exactly uh, inviting the water is not warm the water is cold <laughs> <laughs> you know they not everyone is polite not everyone is your uh, kind of folks that are you know your communication style and you've got to, there's where you learn a lot, you know, at at any rate, I, I uh, think that the, the online environment has challenges, but it has, uh, I think, incredible opportunities too, you know, for, for uh, making and creating work that is much bigger than what one person could do. And then you become part of something that's, it's got a little bit of a mystery to it, but, but because it's magical. There is a part of magic and joy in this group work. Um, you talked about introspection at, at, in collaborative, cooperative learning principles. The last step is reflection. And, 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 and people, it's an important thing to co- come back at the end of a project and say, man, here's what I did well. Here's what uh, John did well. Here's what uh, Tony did well you know, and just kind of let that sink in. And and what what areas are are now areas for me to improve? You know what, I think I need to spend a little time learning how to use Google correctly, you know, learning how to use the international codes, for example, learning how to really uh, understand how to research a topic with Google beyond, you know, just understanding what is in Google, and maybe I should also use my library resources and, and et cetera. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which leads to media literacy. It's, and it, it's, it's you know, the first inclination of that term is, oh, well, I'm savvy oh, yeah. in these tools. But it's, it's more than just that, right? It's the level of, of understanding and, and impact that it has and in, in really how to use that to meet your goal right, right, and uh, yeah, exposing students to all these, you know, amazing platforms, that's, that's the huge uh, opportunity that we have in a digital learning environment, in a, in a live real session that uh, I'm excited for. I think a lot of, there's, there's a lot of, of course, apprehension uh, from students or even faculty, right, to, to be during this, you know, pandemic, to have to know shut down the physical college but uh, really it should be an enlightenment period for us to be online to explore right and to not be afraid to mess up and if students uh, learners if you're listening to this around the country or just within the local community you know so many colleges are and universities are having to go this route for the next six months and so it's really about making, making the best of it and ensuring that, you know, even though uh, times are rough, right? Even though the uh, inclination is, well, I wish I was just in class, right? This would be so much easier if I were in class. And that's from the student and the professor's uh, perspective. But I challenge everyone to think about well, what opportunities does this afford us to do that may not be present in a face-to-face, right? So, I, I think it's I think it's imperative that we move forward in that spirit of saying, "Here's the opportunity," versus "Oh, I just yeah. wish we were yeah. back over here."
3: Yeah. Well, uh, the, the it it uh, w- when uh, you were speaking, I was reminded about one of the barriers or challenges to media literacy is. Uh, something I've never really been able to to name or uh, identify other than this kind of a uh, way of saying that me, my friend, and I come into this class and you are asking me to examine it. Are you asking me to examine my friend? Uh, and to, <laughs> to, to think critically of my friend? I don't think so. I'm not ready for that. I really, right. you know, and so this idea of uh, teaching about the models of making money in in the industry is one way to crack that idea to just say that everything we do including this podcast and the platform costs somebody and and um, the the equipment that we're using to record this podcast is ridiculously undervalued because there's countries across the world that are spending lifetimes in health to mine and to uh, obtain the, the raw minerals that they're not, we're not paying for those lives when we buy a, a smartphone. We're not, we're, we're uh, there, it's, it's a very, very unbalanced question. And so, I mean, the, the, if, if you think about it, it in terms of costs, it's not just what you're paying, but there's a lot of cost beneath that. We taught for many years the story of stuff, and maybe you guys have used that series as well to kind of ex- explore uh, in that in that video, you know, our, our our understanding of of how our consumerist culture is really not. Uh, built on any idea of fairness and the world to other third world countries. And, and, and so the uh, it's kind of, uh, I started by asking, you know, what, what do you do to tell somebody that they have to think critically of this friend? Well, step-by-step, step, how, how do you do it? How, how, how will you guys, what ideas do y'all have for kind of breaking this uh, relationship?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a big question. Um, I think, I think, too, with that, you know, um, when when I start my when I start my class with with looking at the self and, and and tying these ideas. So obviously politics comes up all the time. And so you have students that are like, you know, oh, well, you um, you know, Democrats are horrible. It's like, okay, well, well, that's fine, that's great. Where does that idea come from? And and getting them to to think like, oh, well, I guess I guess I've just always heard my parents say that, so that's why I think that. Maybe 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 I don't think that. Hang on, hold on. Yeah. And I think that's mm-hmm. where that where that starts and where that um, where that happens. And you 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 really. You you really I think have to instill this idea of of personal responsibility um, and, auto- and autonomy. Um, you know, wow. They they have to come to these conclusions on their own. Like there there isn't anyone out there. Yes. <laughs> so back to your friend model. I mean your 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 friend is is great, but you know your friend your friend isn't going to be there for you when when you when you need somebody. I mean, and look at how many movies, TV shows, poetry, fiction. I mean, where that that message it permeates throughout. You know, at the end of the day, like you know, you you you, you gotta you have to be the one to make the decision, uh, and and yeah, I think that's more important now than it's ever been. Um, yeah, and we we talk a lot about that with in regards to generation because. I always tell them I stand up in front of the class and and I say, you know, oh well I'm a millennial. And it's hilarious the looks sometimes. They're like, wait, wait, what? And it's like, yeah, I'm a millennial. You know, the generation that loves to get like, you know, a hard time and people 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 poop on all the time. Yeah, I'm a millennial. And y'all are Gen X. And my generation likes to complain about yours. And the, the boomers like to complain about my generation and that that's how it works. And, and, and they're just like, they're like, Whoa, that's crazy. Like I, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, that's how it is. And it's like, at the end of the day, like you can't use that to define you. I mean, you can't, you know, you, you can't just steer into that and you, you know, be, be better, be better, do better.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It, uh I am I, uh, glad that you guys are uh, looking and working together and having a lot of communication with each other and other other folks in this on this transi- this temporary transition uh, to the online entirely online environment because uh, it's it's a lot of different a uh, lot of different ways of of learning but I think the idea is if inside you, you're cheerful, hopeful, and hold the expectation inside you in an honest, honest manner mm-hmm. that, that, that you expect better than the in-person class out of, out of this experience, uh, there's gonna be a sense of, of, of communicating that to your students, that there is uh, hope, courage, uh, and, and, and vision for for this to happen. And, and my goodness with the tools we have at our disposal, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I I think the opportunities are, are there. I, I think of the last few years of teaching, I had my students create tutorials in groups and uh, they they, they, uh, they we, we, for example, they wanted to teach the tutorial about Twitter. And they would take the history of Twitter and how to use Twitter and um, examples of Twitter, and then and then they'd put it together in a in a video that we would post on on YouTube. And the opportunities just increase because we have more and more tools available to us. But how valuable to do that with the basis of understanding uh, yourself a little bit better through the course, you know, the whole sixteen weeks. We're very lucky. I talk a lot with my math uh faculty friends and they've got they've got a list of deliverables that they have to hand to their next uh course in algebra or geometry or whatever follows the yeah. the first algebra course and we have a little more latitude. So I, I, I in in mass com, I think we've got some deliverables, obviously, that the state you know requires of us, but we have some latitude in in, in uh, being uh, able to, with time, use our time to uh, see how much we can in, have our students grow in their understanding of themselves and the media, and their tools and what what their aptitudes are in 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 media. Um, the the opportunities for. You know, exploring new software, exploring new tools. Sure, it should be there. But I think we should also, you know, have that uh, awareness of, you know, I'm an artist. And a lot of our students are artists. A lot of our students use video. Uh, A lot of our students uh, are uh, kind of performers. Uh, They like Mm -hmm. to be on camera. They've been on camera since they were toddlers. So, uh, you know, it's just it's it's a, a great opportunity to. Uh, take those deliverables and really focus on you know the the important ones that you guys choose and and have the experience be in the 16 weeks something really transformative and I know that that that's asking a whole lot when students are taking five of the courses working at Walmart have a toddler in the crib at home probably and you know, some, lots going on in, in the lives of the average student in our in our institutions, 28, you know, has a, a probably a, a spouse and some children there. There is a, you know, a, a whole lot in their lives besides our course. But if, if we hold the idea that this course can uh, give them some tools to handle media, to use the medium, Towards a job, yes, Tim, towards a job, but I would also hold as um, almost as important to know the tools to sit on the couch with your kids and pause that remote and say, what the heck was that? How do you explain that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What do you think happened there? What do you think yeah. happened there? And they're, and they're going to look at you like, yeah, let go back to the show. We're used to being passive. Don't ask me to be active. <laughs> And and you can go back to the show. But then the next or the third time you do that, they'll go, hey, you know what? That that, that is a question to think about. Was that believable? Could that have happened in real life? Was that a, a special effect? <laughs> oh, how cool was that? You know? <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be immediate that the, the kids are going to say, thank you for turning off the, the putting the show on pause. I'm it interrupts me. I hate it. What are you doing? But after a yeah, while,
1: I think that's a... know,
3: it. Could be some ways to, to to start media literacy in in the home, um, and 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 so uh, the, the the question could be posed to students: How do you start media literacy within yourself? You know, I used to do this thing called one hundred hours of uh, media. Uh, I don't know what I called it now. One, it was just called 100 hours. Basically, for 100 hours, you laid down all electronic media except the kind that you needed for your assignments. Yep. So you, you didn't use the phone. You, and, and I had some amazing experiences. And later, I had to climb down from 100 hours. And, and uh, I think we did 48 hours without media. And, uh, you know, keeping a journal about your feelings. I had one guy one time come to school and say, I was on the basketball court and realized that the buzzing in my ears had stopped. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Another great story was a, a young lady that stood in front of the class and talked about her experience. And she said, my grandfather came to the door pounding on the door and said, I couldn't reach you on the phone. And, and so she said, no, I just, I'm not using the phone for 48 hours as part of this crazy teacher <laughs> assignment. And, and 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 he sat down on the sofa with her and, and uh, they started talking and he told the daughter that really his father was not his father, but some, uh, uh, his stepfather who had adopted him and that uh, he started talking about his history and, and she says why didn't you ever tell me this story and she and he, he told her well you're you're always so busy on the phone and i don't want to interrupt you and so this was a conversation between a grandfather and a daughter granddaughter that only happened because she put the phone down out of sight for 48 hours and, well, uh, and kind of interesting stuff happened you know uh, on that experience a lot of uh oh, I hate this, I can't believe it, I couldn't sleep, it was horrible. Yeah, yep. but a lot of, yep. a lot of in- in- yeah. insights about how, um, and that's a good insight you wanna have about your uh, electric mixer in the kitchen. It doesn't matter. You wanna ask questions about the technology, <laughs> you know? All yeah. the technology requires us to ask, hey, what are you giving me? What does it cost? How do you work? What are the special tools? You know, a lot, a lot of questions are are um, are, are going to you know kind of help us uh, w- with who we are. Ultimately, that that little experience of one hundred hours, I, I don't think it stuck. I'm, I'm sure everybody went back to using media the way they used to before the one hundred hours or the forty eight hours, twenty four hours, but it it revealed a little bit about our thinking our behavior you know with media and that's the question we we've got to always uh stand next to these tools and say you know i i, I want to know what you do in my life you know <laughs> it's, it's a very 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 it, yeah. the other day i was at office max and they had a six sixty 60- fountain pen on sale for $20. And I picked it up. And I just can't stop writing with it. I can't stop writing with this fountain pen. It's just the most incredible thing since sliced bread. And I think to myself, <laughs> that's a, a tool, you know, it's so smooth. I, 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 and so w- what I'm saying is, you know, everything is worth looking and studying. How, how does it afe- affect you? And how does it make you feel better? Does it make you work better?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think we've all done that assignment before and, and yielded a lot of interesting stories from our students and and the fact is is that you know media literacy is 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 an action, right? It's it's something that you have to engage in and, and do whether it be from the moral standpoint of of stopping the the show and and talking with your kids about you know what the what the underlying messages are here or how how a certain person is being represented in this in this sitcom or whatever the case is or it could be from an emotional standpoint right like how does this make you feel and why what what kinds of emotions are they trying to invoke here um but it's also practicing that restraint you know it's it's a matter of you know do i need this do i need to engage in this content uh, and is it going to meet my goal, right? And and if it's not, then I've got to figure out how to balance that, right? I've got to figure out how to, you know, ensure that, again, coming back to the original ideas of our of our topics was, you know, how can I, in this media-saturated environment, create a healthy relationship with media to ensure that it meets my goals and whether that be to further educate myself about something that was discussed in class that I maybe didn't feel comfortable about. And in most cases, we hit on a lot of very interesting and, and serious, but yet important topics like racial uh, inequality. We, we discuss issues of, of misrepresentations of, of race in the media, the bias that happens within the media form. So students are, are, are uh, if you're listening, it's it's important to understand that if you feel uncomfortable about a discussion or you know you'll be broken out into a group in in a zoom meeting it's it's totally normal right because i think as adults we've all experienced that too even as as educators when we go to a professional development like linda was saying you know we're going to be broken down into groups to, to act to actively participate um it, it, it can be seen as a little uncomfortable at first but knowing the outcome of the project or what you're going to work on with these individuals it, it spirals into uh, several opportunities that you never thought would exist and I think as you as you maneuver into the field of mass com or anything related to that you, know, you 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 have to consider that every, production that I put out there can lead to another Correct. open door. Yep. So.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I, I, so that's, do, do we have time for a quick story? Sure, yeah. Okay. Well, what? one of the uh, yeah. challenges I had in, in MassCom was uh, really breaking through to this idea that television movies are free, that, that, that they're, they're kind of a magical part of our lives. And we have that kind of magical belief <laughs> and, and uh, uh, we break it <laughs> in mass comm and the studying media we have to we have to understand the, the, the business nature and so I would teach this uh, this cycle of mass communication that I picked up in a book uh, when I was starting to teach it sac as an adjunct in 85 or so and it's this book had been in print probably 10 years then it's just a kind of a, um, uh, a, a, a cycle that, that so it's got seven parts and it shows at the very top the media um kind of industry and then the, the how the how it enters into the marketplace of consumer marketplace you and i looking to buy a new truck or the advertisers trying to find us that want to buy a new truck or the marketplace of ideas is a truck a good thing to buy in a time when gasoline so expensive and is it moral because it's gasoline maybe it's you know that's the marketplace of ideas so there's all these wonderful marketplaces that that our work enters and then the last uh section is when you know we see well how did we do as we sold our magazine or film or tv show how did we do how were the ratings Uh, so that's where you measure it that's the last part of the cycle and it's a little more complicated but i had this job to 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 you know i thought it was important to share with the students that they should and of course uh I hated it when I first saw it. I thought, Oh gosh, this is, this, this is mind boggling. What am I doing? Yeah. I, 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 I'm the teacher and I don't like it, you know, (laughs) but I I stuck with it year after year. And, and then I finally said to myself, there's a, there's a a benefit here because not only do the students understand how the cycle works. I, I, there were a lot of uh, uh, activities that, that, kind of came out of it and the most important activity was my best day as a teacher. And my best day as a teacher is when I threw this slide on the on the on the whiteboard and I asked our students to to you know ask questions and talk to themselves and then I handed out these big poster papers with markers for a group a table of four. And I asked them to please uh, look at the the slide but to interpret it in a new context, so I um, I asked them to ha- build a, to create an analogy for the marketplace of ideas slide and the whole model on on a whole new way of of d- d- showing it. So my Ooh. one group of uh, young ladies that really impressed me uh, came up with a football field. And uh, from an aerial view, they had the goalposts on top and the bottom and, and that kind of uh, the, the 50 yard line. They, they I understood that my students got this darn cycle that took me kind of years and years of, 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 of teaching to really understand it. They were able to understand it in the, uh, the, the course of a, of, a, of a one class session. And when they handed to, you know, they showed their poster, there, several of them were very creative like that. You, you, you sort of, that's an example of active learning where you take something that's static, that's been presented, and then you go, I understand it so well that I can put a bowling alley over it and explain it in the same way. Uh, I, I can use this in a baseball field. And, and so you have first base, second base, third base, fourth base or third base, <laughs> uh, uh, infield, outfield. And so that was when I when I went out of the classroom that day, I was the happiest I've ever been in my life and all my teaching. Because I realized that you, you, you reach your goal of having students say, you know, I got it. And here's my teaching back. You said that earlier, teaching back. How, how, mm,
2: I, I yeah.
3: Can't do that every classroom yeah. period. No, no. But boy, those days when you're able to see that they created a, a, an idea of their own on their own and took the information that the experts have given us, and they took it as their own, man, that's 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 really it, it was.
1: That's fabulous. Yeah, they, they reimagine, and, and, and for, the, for the student, for the learner, right? How, how much of an experience is that, um, how, how meaningful that is, right? To Joyful. reimagine Joyful. The, the content, yes. right? In their own way, right? And apply it to their, to their everyday experience and, and to know that they're thinking about that concept or that idea or that static object can be validated through their own thinking. Right. And, and their own thinking becomes validated. Right. And their own existence becomes celebrated because they know that someone else understands how they yes. think about yes. how. A how, issue, how, right? how.
3: How. What. what a, Pretty what cool. A, what a great feeling. I think a person leaves. I know I left the classroom that day never to be the same, never to be the same, because I, I just had I, I understood that, you know, success was possible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's 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 not yeah every day and there was a lot of other great days in teaching don't get me wrong but you know not not always that that uh i uh, I, I just wanted to 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 share that it's a it's a beautiful industry it's a beautiful field full of challenges right now but um uh, like I was sharing about that video uh, to, to, to be able to, to the video that I did for Susie on her, on her art exhibit, that's going to be part of another video only because I had it on Vimeo or Facebook. Oh, that's, that's a new world. That is a new world. Uh, I am also working on a project where I was able to contact a producer from Venezuela and uh, get his okay. On, on, uh, on a project that I'm, I'm doing on a regional level of, of one that he did in Latin America on the work of 100 Years of Solitude uh, in a little 15 minute video segments on the, on the pandemic. It's a gorgeous video. And I wanted to do one with uh, the Monterey, Mexico writer, uh, Sofia Segovia, who wrote The Murmur of Bees. I wanted, and she wrote about the pandemic in Northeastern Mexico in 1918. And so I thought, well, maybe we can do one just like it. And uh, what it is essentially, this is really to the point of what we're talking about guys is that this producer in Latin America sent a script to actors that he knew. And the actors were asked to place their smartphones in front of them in a nicely lighted, nicely lit uh, room and to read sections of 100 Years of Solitude. So because of the pandemic, he couldn't send down a crew, right? So guess what? They did it themselves. They took the file, they sent it to him via Dropbox or similar, you know, a cloud sharing service. He received it in Venezuela, put it together. 20 actors contributed. And and I'm thinking to myself, this is an opportunity that would never have occurred to him. By the way, he's the head of Disney in Latin America, the the Venezuelan guy. I I contacted him on Twitter. He said, fabulous idea, you doing it in Northeastern Mexico and and South Texas. And uh, I asked him, could I please have the tutorial that you used on this project? Because it's uh, obviously, you you, you had something that you sent to the actors. He says, yes, here it is, a, a PowerPoint. I received it the next day. That shows examples of where to sit, how the lighting should be. You know what? Wow. What I ask, I ask you: How was I going to reach that writer in Monterey through her publisher on email? Was that possible in 1980? No, no, no. Was it possible in 1990, 2000? I don't know. But all this happened within days, and everyone is saying yes, yes, yes. Uh, the, uh, the author gave me permission. She's participating. I'm, uh, using the tutorial. Um, uh, so I think that there's opportunities that exist for us that were never possible back in the day when I was coming along and, you know, media was, was so, so concentrated and, and, uh, richer in many ways, but it's, it's, uh, it's richer in, in, in many ways now because students, all of us are empowered to be our own publishers, our own uh, producers. Uh, w- what we do in Mass common in, in encouraging students to do this is, is uh, I think important, very important.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I think with that, that is probably a great word to end on. So I wanted to uh, thank you, Linda, for reaching out to us um, nice. or in in being willing to do this for us. Um, and yeah, um, be sure to look for um, the the finished product put out on um, out on Twitter and all of the the places by the end of the weekend. Um, but thank you very much. Um, but I think uh, Tim and I appreciate you uh doing this for us and um tim if you have any final words yeah
1: I was just going to ask you linda uh for our listeners can you give us uh where we can reach out to you or find your work out on uh on the internet
3: absolutely well uh, my vimeo is open to um yeah i i don't you know keep it in in a private manner so yeah you can watch look at my videos on vimeo uh linda quaya and uh, um, that's primarily where, where I'm at. I'm on Twitter at Ora Lo Veras. Ora Lo is uh, the, 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 the handle H O R A L A V E R A S. And it's a joke because uh, when you were a kid, your mom would point her finger like, You're going to get it. You're going to see what's <laughs> happening next here. Ora Lo Veras. Soon you will see. And so I—that's uh, I, kind of a, a, a little inner joke. veras. you will see soon, uh, literally. And um, yeah, my my pleasure. That's and, awesome, uh, y'all. If you ever need me back, just uh, let me know.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. I always I always just come back to that one thing that Linda always mentions, uh, and I remember a lot of things that Linda said um, over the years of working side by side with her. Is that there's always going to need, going to be a need for storytellers? Air, any any era that we've lived in, we we need to tell our stories, and so that's that's really what stuck with me throughout all of the changes of the world, and just within the last ten years, yeah. um, is that we're always going to be necessary. So, um, if you're listening out there, um, we really encourage you to to do that and to find your message and to really figure out what, what you're good at and how you would tell the story. And uh, we're just here to help study those different platforms and, and, and conduits in order to get that message out.
3: Right, right. I, I think about one one last thing I'd just like to say. Sometimes, sometimes you're so young, you don't know that you have a story. So it's good to interview people and to do story core projects and to interview others, interview each but uh over time you, you the most important thing is, is storytelling and and uh, and especially in our region where we have a you know so many beautiful cultures that converge here in San Antonio and um south texas and and they're very very much uh, in dire need of of storytelling about who we are, um, who our families are, what are what our legends and our ideas and, and our funny little ways of adapting uh, in, in this multicultural environment so so interesting times that that uh, calls everybody uh, who who you know to, to be a storyteller to tell the story and it's, it's not just a opportunity or an invitation I think there's an urgency in in uh, in being able to uh, you know do that you know do storytelling
2: yeah yeah well
1: i want to thank you um both mark and and linda this has been a, a wonderful first uh podcast episode that uh we're going to be venturing on to and and encourage all of our listeners to to listen in to the next ones that we have coming up and we uh look forward to doing this again